0: What is going on breakthrough success listeners Mark Verdi, the business freelance writer here in this episode We're going to talk about scaling and marketing your content You write the blog post you put it up you hit the publish button How do we get people to see this piece of content and spread it across? SEO, social media, and all of our different methods of distribution. We'll be talking about that in this episode. We are joined today by a guest who is a CEO of CopyPress, one of the most trusted content providers. Their team has created content for Stitch Fix fanatics LinkedIn, and many others. CopyPress helps clients who want to increase their organic web traffic, improve their search engine rankings, and build brand awareness. Our guest who joins us is none other than Dave Snyder. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Dave, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success and content. So many people rely on it to learn information about products to become aware of different problems that they need solutions to. So content has such a deep part of our lives, but for a lot of bloggers and businesses, it's publish the content and then nothing really happens. SEO is one of the big components. So we'll start there. How do you suggest we improve our SEO positioning. So we are able to see this scaled exposure. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think you probably need to even take it a step back, right? Like I remember the way I got started in this whole space, I was a teacher and I started a sports blog um, and yet yeah, I put out my content and no one really cared. Uh, and the, the question I never asked cause I didn't know to ask it then was, well, why should anyone care? What am I doing this for? Right um, what is the purpose here? We see this all the time still with really big companies that are like, well, I need to do content marketing. I need a blog. And the question is why? Like just because, um, you know, is the purpose to drive traffic? Is it for branding? Is it for sales? And so I think even if you're your own blogger, you need to ask the question, okay, what am I doing here? Right? Because if you're a blogger and you've spent two years creating this blog and then you go to monetize it and you've got to undo all of those strategies that you've done to date, then, then you need to like, um, I mean, spend a ton of time and money figuring out what the next thing is. So I think first thing you got to do is ask the why, the KPIs, what am I trying to do with this content? The next thing is you really need to, to understand that Google has two basic types of content that they want to work with, right? Uh, there is content that is commercial in nature. There's content that's informational in nature. Um, and it, the reality, and everybody needs to understand this, is Google doesn't really love commercial content. Why? Because they want you to buy ads, right? So. Content that is commercial in nature, if you're a blogger, right? They'll call it your money, your life. There's lots of different names for it. Google doesn't love it. Google has to have the informational content. It's the reason people go to Google. They come with a question, they want an answer, right? So if you're a publisher and you want early SEO wins or you're a blogger, you go towards the informational content. You go towards the content that answers questions that people want to have answered. Then if you want to monetize that content, you lead those people asking the questions down the path into commercial queries, right? But again, I see so many people start websites and they're like, all right, I'm going to start off like you know writing product reviews and all these things. And it's like, you're missing the point because Google doesn't love that content. They want people to buy stuff. So you know, your what is A or how to do X, Y, Z, those are the types of articles that I would, if I was starting a website today, I would go crazy on. Right? Get into a niche where there's a lot of volume and you
0: understand it and start creating lots of informational content. And I love this approach where instead of thinking about what you want to produce for content, think about what the algorithm is going to take and then being able to create that in an organic way where the visitors enjoy that content also because people want to learn how to do stuff or. What is X? Like people actively type those questions in Google and they want to read those articles and you can lead into a sale in the future, but the beginning is that relationship. But another thing Dave points out is knowing the purpose. If you just go out there and you scale and you grow your traffic numbers, but you don't know what you're doing with it, you could end up with high traffic numbers, but low income or nothing to show for all of that growth how do we get more results in the sense where scalable growth actually translates into those strong KPIs?
1: Yeah. I think uh, what I always tell my customers is your competitors have already laid the blueprint for you, right? Um, So it's not about copying someone, it's about going and saying, okay, you know, this company has spent X amount of dollars on creating 20,000 pieces of content, like an example in the software space, they have those comparison websites that are like, uh, you know, Salesforce versus Pipedrive. And that website that has that stuff may have 20,000 of those. You know, that content's working because they've invested in those pages over and over and over again. So if you're going into that space, you know, you have a blueprint for here's the type of content I need to create, right? Um, The next thing you need to do, though, is you need to be like, all right, well, I need to be better than them. So how do I create that content plus 10, whatever your 10 be, right? Like, how do I 10X this content to make it the best on the web? But I I think there's a lot to be said for being creative. And you know, this all comes down to again, what's the point here? If I'm just creating a website because I want to write about my passion and I don't really care if anybody comes to it, do whatever you want to do. If you're trying to scale a usable business, I think figuring out what's worked in the past for people using that to jumpstart and then figure out, okay, what's my personal signature brand I can put on to this type of content.
0: And one of the things that for so many business owners is to look at a model that's already working as Dave points out, because you don't want to go out there and reinvent the wheel when you can see what content is working the best, create your own version, add your own style, And then you don't have to go through as much trial and error since you know what works that gives you more time to experiment on new ideas. One of the things when it comes to promoting content, everyone seems to gravitate towards social media. And for good reason, since some of these social networks have over a billion users, you've got good targeting capabilities with the ads. It's very easy to search for groups. There's a lot you could do with social media, but what's your take on using social media to promote content? Because some brands barely use social media. Others use it to the point where they're seeing diminishing returns. What are your thoughts on finding this balance and using social media to promote content?
1: Yeah, I think it's about your, I think it's about your product, right? Um, What I'm not a big believer in is um, one size fits all anything. Like Like I said at the beginning, when somebody's just like content marketing equals blog, I get frustrated or somebody, you know, early days of Facebook, we kept hearing everybody be like, well, we need a Facebook app, right? It was like this thing where it's like, no, you don't need if you sell like paper clips. Nobody cares about your Facebook app. Um, so I think it comes down to the product and what your offering is and how does it fit within the community you're trying to work with, right? Um, so B2B, people would be like, oh, there's no community there. No, LinkedIn is actually an interesting spot for B2B uh, and for sales. Um, and it can dovetail into your, your media buying as well on, on LinkedIn. Um, when I look at something like Twitter, I think more conversational. So Twitter to me is almost like a PR kind of play. Um, and then I think at the end of the day, the place where almost everybody can play is really YouTube. I think there's still people underutilizing video overall. And it's wild to me because video is the thing that's been, it's kind of like podcasts, right? Podcasts have been around forever. Since um I've been uh in the space, but now we're just starting to, I feel like, get the big boom in the last two to three years of, of podcasts being a, a a major source of our information. And even though YouTube's huge, right, it, it just still feels like you go through the landscape of companies and you're like, oh man, really underutilized YouTube channels for a lot of these companies or video in general as a medium. And I think it's because it is hard to scale. Um, but, you know, I think then, you know, I think the question has to be asked, does my product or offering match the platform? Um, and then you figure out, all right, well, what kind of content works here, right? Going back to that, that use case, if I have a paperclip company, TikTok's not the place for me.
0: And it's interesting you mentioned video as, I mean, video is one of the most engaging form of content, if not the most engaging But we've heard about YouTube for quite a while. So uh, it's interesting to hear the the untapped potential there, which I think for a lot of people, if you create video, it's just an entirely different dynamic. There are some people who they may do research on their niche. They put it in Google they put it in YouTube and they see a bunch of videos. And a lot of people may say that, oh, this industry, the one they're in, is oversaturated and it's too late for somebody like me to grow and scale my content when there are already great options. How do you approach the oversaturated argument that some people may have about their specific industries?
1: Yeah. I mean, oversaturated doesn't mean quality content, right? And so there's a couple of things with Google specifically. I think one, the question of freshness, right? Google relies on freshness. It can't have out-of-date information. So in verticals where things change, think like, you know, tax accountant or whatever, right? Like that information is constantly evolving and Google can't show the same article or YouTube video it had from five years ago because that information is now dated. Even things like exercise and nutrition are moving so quickly that there's a, a certain amount of freshness that needs to take place. But then the other issue is that just, hey, yes, this content exists, but is it any good? Is it only showing up because there's nothing else there? And so the question needs to be asked of like, how do you take that content and improve upon it? Um, I mean, like, you know, I do this every day. I I just put together five proposals for companies today and nowhere do I ever look and I'm like, oh man, this, this vertical, verticals are competitive. I'll always say that, but nowhere do I ever say, oh, this vertical, nothing can be done better right? All 10, loca- all 10 people ranking are doing the best job they possibly can do. No, I mean, you usually see some some weird stuff popping in there because Google's got nothing else to go after. Um, so I think the, the question needs to really be like, how do I take what, what's already done in a saturated space and improve upon it? And then maybe do some studying in spaces that have always naturally been saturated to see how those people have differentiated. The fitness space in particular is an interesting one because it's saturated on YouTube, on Instagram, everywhere. But you know what? A hundred new fitness um, influencers will pop up out of nowhere over the next few months, right? Making content, they figure it out. So why can't we elsewhere?
0: And I love the fitness example because I feel like that is an industry where if you search that anywhere, you're gonna find so much content I know Facebook also has some limitations on what you can do with those ads just because of how much attention it has and how much you can even find a lot of information that becomes outdated or that isn't, um, like people try to make it one size fits all when it's something that completely shouldn't be. And with the right plan, with the right mentality and focusing on improving, you can make it and um, be able to scale your content. Uh, When a business does invest in content, whether they're creating it or they're working with an agency like yours, there is this desire for a return on investment. If the brand spends thousands of dollars on content or ads or anything, it's understandable that they do it with the intent and hope of seeing a profitable return. With social media ads, you can see uh, how many people click, how many people go into the funnel, and then look at the back end, how many people convert content creation is a little harder. So I'm wondering how do you track the ROI and present the successes you've had with your clients? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's an, it's a great question. So uh, we've built a piece of software called Thematical at CopyPress that allows us to build uh, what we call clusters, right? And so I've been doing SEO for a long time. And traditionally what we've always done when we're creating a content strategy is take linear keyword research and said, okay, you know, here's the keywords that our competitors rank for that we want to write content for. The reality with that linear keyword research is some of the keywords are going to be similar, right? So, um, what is SEO? How do you do SEO? Should you write two pieces of content for that? Well, Google gives us a good clue, right? are they ranking similar articles, right? Cause when you write an article, it doesn't rank for one singular keyword, it ranks for a bunch of stuff. So we build those cluster models to say, well, if you write a piece of content on a topic, cluster topic, how much actual volume is there? Um, if we were able to get one to 2% of that full volume, what does that mean that the customer would be able to get on a monthly basis? And then you could say, okay, uh, depending on what kind of metrics you get from the customer, um, So let's say, you know, there's 100,000 people that search for this topical cluster a month. I'm getting 1% of that, right? That's 1,000 visitors a month. And the customer has a 1% conversion rate from traffic to email signup, right? Now I've created an ROI model that I can present to them before we even start a campaign to say, hey, we're going to create this much content. These are the kind of topical clusters in this traffic range we're going to build on. And this is the amount of traffic we're going to get back. Um, And so what we've built thematical for actually was what you're talking about. How do you take content and make it more like an ad buy to where you can kind of understand what you're going to get back? Content doesn't work that way completely because what we see is we see the numbers come back actually pretty close. But when you create a large scaled campaign, and remember we work with projects where we're doing like 2,000 articles a month, right? Um, When you're doing a huge scaled campaign, a third of your content Is going to crush it a third of it's going to like hit your basic numbers you expected and the third of it's going to be do nothing absolutely nothing you have to come back to that stuff later and fix it it all kind of averages out back to the middle right um and then what we do is we monitor that content through thematical and we come back later and we say okay this is what we um this is what we produce but that conversation with the clustering and thematical and everything else begins with you know, every proposal I do, what is your KPI? And you'd be, you'd be staggered how many companies I talk to who just don't even know. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, well, we just know we need to do content. Or they'll come back. And here's another dangerous thing for marketers is they'll say sales, which 100% should always be the KPI. But how do we get there? Because copy press just writes content. I can drive a ton of traffic to your website. If your website's garbage, nobody's going to convert. So what am I going to get done there? So I think asking the right questions in the planning process, but then from a content perspective, building a modeling structure around estimating how do I reach this KPI, taking all the data points and then also assessing, hey, what data is missing that we might need to get later? Like if they don't have a conversion rate for their website, all right, we need to get monitoring that so we can take it into assessment later.
0: And I love how Dave mentions that the content is just one of the stages. If you are creating great content, but leading people to a poorly converting website, the efforts aren't going to work, no fault of the content, but more of the website isn't able to convert and turn the visitors into leads, have the email sequence that turns those leads into paying customers. So there is more to it than just creating content, but within the content, you do also have to promote the business a little bit in most cases where you have some type of call to action. Some people they a lot. It's very popular to see a call to action at the very end. Do you also recommend including call to action like spreading a few of them throughout the content, or just sticking with that closing conclusion where that's the main place for the call to action?
1: Yeah, I think um, you need to look at the content and how the how the site interacts as well. So, like CTAs, I think. I like to intersperse them throughout the content. So like there's a main CTA that a writer can write, but then there's also your template piece. Like, all right, Hey, I want an email sign up halfway through the article, right? I want uh, another call to action at the bottom, but I also want this floating call to action on the right sidebar. I think, you know, content to me isn't a, it's not a channel. It's not like Google, Facebook. It's, it's a, component of your overall marketing strategy. And so is CRO, right? Like conversion rate optimization and figuring out CTAs. And it even goes beyond knowing where to put the CTAs. But I think also important, which most people don't do is A-B testing different frameworks for those CTAs. So once you have a really good piece of content that is driving traffic, break out a couple templates of that and put CTAs in different locations and see what's actually converting.
0: I mean, those A-B split tests, it just gives you, it guarantees higher conversion rates because you're either going to stick with your current number or you're going to have another variant of the copy of the call to action that ends up converting better. So it's one of those ways where you either stay the same or you do see a little bit of an uptick. A-B split tests, they work very well. Uh, I know we've talked about SEO and social media, but what would you say is one of the missed ways to scale content? Because I think a lot of people are stuck in this SEO or and or social media mindset without thinking of any other options. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing uh, I think is uh,
1: just running an email newsletter correctly, right? If you already have traffic on your website, you create your own channel for dispersing content. You know, I think, any strategy that is contingent on a platform has a flaw that if you disappear from that platform tomorrow that channel's dead so newsletter that can't happen unless your domain gets banned i guess from sending emails but um having your own newsletter hugely valuable and a lot of people start them and they're dog shit like they're just sorry i don't know if, uh, you can no, later <laughs> so <laughs> like uh right they're just bad they're like just nonsense but they're incredibly powerful. I mean, you see whole business models um, being built on newsletters now too, like the podcast example before where it's like, yeah, of course, this is how people want tailored content coming to them. Um, and what's really beautiful about newsletters and overall content is you can slice and dice and reuse the same content over and over, right? Um, I can write, a, like we've done this before where I've written a series of unique articles. We've sent through the newsletter. We then take those and compile them into an ebook. And then we, once we distribute the ebook, we then start publishing them as blog posts. Um, And so, yeah, they're the same pieces of content, but they're coming at you in different ways and hitting different people that might be interacting with our website in
0: different ways. I love the content repurposing. That is one of my favorites because you're able to Get more mileage out of the same content. You're doing less work, but you're showing up to people more often. That's a one of my favorite ways to gain more visibility. Dave, I know you help a lot of people who want to expand their presence through content through copy press. We'll have a link to them in the show notes. Where else do you suggest we go to keep following your work and journey? Um, I'm on Twitter
1: sometimes at uh, Dave Snyder. Um, I don't really do social media much anymore. It just makes me inherently sad to go on to social media. Uh, you can always email me dsnider at copypress.com. I love helping marketers and entrepreneurs and
0: just answer questions and whatnot. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, we will have those in the show notes. If you have a question for Dave, make sure you send out an email and check out a site CopyPress as well if you need to take your content to the next level. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, it was great
1: being here.